welcome to the Two World Podcast, where you can hear thoughts and reflections on unique intersections between faith and culture. Tune in regularly for this foray into feelings of surprise and interconnectedness and aha moments in life when two worlds come together. Now join your hosts, Barney and Jacob, for this most recent episode. everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Two World Podcast. I, of course, am Barney, and I'm joined by my co-host today, who is... Jacob! And we are very, very honored to have another guest with us today. This guest is someone that I have known for more than 20 years, but it feels like it's just been a few days. The time has just flown by so quickly for the time that we've been knowing each other. I'll let her introduce herself. Our guest today is Lena. And um, she and I met uh, in when we were in, together in Goshen. We were studying the same year in Goshen College and uh, met by chance through um, someone who, who was a, another friend of mine on the same floor of uh, the dorm that I was living in. And um, just worked at it's one of those things that worked out that we all became fast friends. And um, it has been a true blessing for me to have, to be able to count Lena as a friend of mine, dear, dear friend. Um, throughout our studies and whatnot, um, Lena has gone on and become a doctor. And we hoped that um, she would be able to share, especially um, a little bit about her faith today. I remember um, in Goshen, um, she was usually my uh, convocation partner. You know, I think we had to do maybe 20 convocations a semester. And um, we always, uh, it was always nice to have someone that you could rely on to go there together with, but they were always really fulfilling and rewarding. And um, so it was a little, it was nice that nice to have a good friend there with you and also nice to be able to enjoy the content as well. Um, I, I wanted to ask a little bit before we talk about um, your role as a physician, um, I remember the first time they went to your house, um, I think your mom and your brother, Mike, were um, maybe working on some music for church. And, and of course, in your, your family dynamic, you have kind of a mixed culture, um, different cultures within your family as well, which is kind of another theme of our podcast here. And I'm, I'm curious, how, how are some of the influences that in your, in your faith and developing your faith that you've noticed that you maybe gathered um, from your mom's side, your mom's point of view, or from your dad's perspective, um, maybe both of those. Sure. Well, first of all, uh, Barney, thank you for the kind words and, and introduction. Um, you know, growing up, my my mother was born in Indonesia. She came to the United States when she was, I believe, about 14. Um, she met my dad at Goshen College. Um, so she, having been here since she was a teenager, was already pretty Americanized. Um, and surprisingly, they were pretty much on the same page as far as, as faith uh, things go. Um, so I don't, I don't feel like that was very, you know, something that was really a cultural difference growing up um, as, as far as faith goes. Uh, my mom's parents did live with us for a time. Uh, multi-generational homes are, you know, very common uh, in Asian cultures, some Asian cultures. So, you know, that was maybe a little bit different, um, but they were always available and them being 
um, in the church, I think we're always available. So um, a lot of my faith uh, was shaped by them growing up just because they were there and they were the ones that, that taught me um, largely by example um, through their stories, um, you know, going to church with them and uh, just answering a lot of my questions. Lena, I think Barney was telling me when he was sharing a little bit about your background by email that he thought maybe one of your grandfathers had been a pastor. Is that right? Yes, that was my uh, my mom's dad. Oh, um, okay. Oh. He started a lot of churches back in Indonesia, a lot of Christian churches. And uh, Indonesia being a, a very Muslim population at the time were um, you know, not too keen on that. So that was one of the reasons that they had to sort of flee to the United States um, to mm. avoid some of the persecution they were facing there. Did he ever share... Um, many of his experiences with being a pastor? Did he ever talk about what that was like um, with you? Um, you know, he did. Um, I was very young at the time, so I don't think I appreciated it as much as I would have, you know, if he were still around today. Um, and he did write a lot of things down, but unfortunately all of the things that they wrote down were in Indonesian and I couldn't read them and my mom has since gotten rid of them. So mm that's uh, extremely unfortunate. Um, but, uh, you know, we did spend a lot of time together. He was my ride to school for a couple years. And, um, you know, he was, he was always preaching. That was who he was. So I got to hear his opinions on uh, many different topics <laughs> during those times. Um, some of them more popular opinions than, than others, uh, you know, in this day and age. <laughs> I really liked how when you first started talking about that time when your grandparents were living in your home, you said that they taught you by example, as well as by words. And so it seems like that had a huge impact, just observing them, how they lived. Um, seemed Absolutely. To have a huge impact. Yeah. Did, did you find that um, your family, in a way, was also kind of an inspiration for um, you deciding to become a physician as well? Or was that, was that more of a personal uh, drive that you had? Um, yeah, so my mom um, was a nurse, pediatric nurse, and um, she saw, I think she saw doctors or people in medicine as, you know, a very prestigious career, you know, something that was that was good, and you were helping people. Um, and so she suggested that if, you know, if I was interested in that, because I was always interested in what she was doing, that I work in a nursing home as a certified nursing assistant. So when I was 16, um, I went and applied at Greencroft and they were like, well, you're kind of young, <laughs> but uh, you know, they, uh, fortunately for me, they were a little bit short staffed and they decided to give me a chance. And um, so for a couple of years in high school, I worked as a certified nursing assistant, taking care of Alzheimer's patients. And I really loved that. And I loved um, all aspects of that caring for the people at, you know, at the basic level, um, you know, Greencroft being a, a Christian, uh, organization, um, you know, there was a lot of faith that came through that experience as, as well. Um, and then, you know, it was at that point that I knew pretty much I'm going into medicine, you know, one way or another. <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of with a lot of my mom's encouraging, that's kind of how it all started. It's interesting how um, 
it was so meaningful for you to work there. Um, my, my wife's father has Alzheimer's right now. And um, we've observed in our uh, visits with him each time, you know, changes and, um, and challenges. And uh, that's kind of a, uh, I wonder if that's a, as a challenging um, way to start in, in medicine. Uh, did you, I mean, meaningful for sure. It sounds like it was very meaningful for you, but did you find it also challenging with patients, particularly struggling with dementia and uh, in terms of the, that cognitive decline and that sense of, do you have a sense of sorrow as you saw some of the, those patients um, struggling or um, sure it was hard? Yeah, I did. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I was a pretty shy kid. So, you know, growing up, it was, you know, always respect your elders, don't bother people. You know, it, it, I was always more quiet in the background. And when I started working there, one of the first things that they told me to do was, okay, here's your list of people for the day, you will knock on their doors at, you know, between five, six in the morning, get them up, you know, just walk into their rooms, um, bring them out and take them for a bath. And <laughs> so, you know, that, that was first of all, very difficult for me to get over that just, you know, barging into someone's room at six in the morning and say, all right, we're going to get undressed and you know go for a bath. And, <laughs> um, you know, a, a lot of them were very angry at me for, for that. Um, and, you know, one of the things with Alzheimer's is that I realized very quickly that if someone was angry or, um, you know, aggressive with me to just come back five minutes later and they may have forgotten all about it. And then were then willing to, come with me. So, you know, challenges in that sense and learning to read their cues and kind of try to figure out what mood someone was in that, okay, should I come back later? Should I try to address this issue now? Um, and try to manage the behaviors that way. It was um, a, mo a mobile uh, Alzheimer's unit. So these were the people that were up walking around and were very active, not the ones that were laying in bed. So um, I also was given the task of putting together some of the activities and their church service on Sunday morning because they knew I liked to sing and, and sort of uh, you know lead in that way. So they gave me some of those tasks too. And that was, that was also very meaningful. Yeah. It it's just amazing to hear um, the the impact that your family and then this early job that you had had on your life. Um, how was it that you ended up going into um, family medicine as as opposed to a, a different specialty or 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 uh, another line? Yeah, so um, it's because I couldn't give anything up. Every rotation that I did in residency when I was on the cardiac rotation, I wanted to be a cardiologist. When I was doing neurology, I wanted to be a neurologist. And at some point I realized <laughs> if I want to do everything, that's, that's the way to go. I can't, you know, I, I like seeing, um, I like taking care of patients who are diabetic, you know, one minute and the next taking care of maybe some depression or, you know, a, a different sort of problem or a, a painful knee, you know, that, that variety and, and an opportunity to, not just focus on one thing as specialists sometimes do, oh, you know, oh, you're here for your knee. Let me fix that. Okay. You're out the door. Might not see you again. I like that continuity of care, being able to get to know patients and to not only ask about their blood pressure or their foot pain, but also some of those questions like, you know, how are you today? How really are you today? Um, because sometimes those were the things that were really at the root of the, the aches and pains and the high blood pressure, you know, it might not be a, a physical problem as much as a stress, emotional or spiritual problem. 
I noticed in the um, bio that Barney shared before, as we were getting ready for today, that you mentioned enjoying getting to know your, your patients building relationship and also getting to know their family members and Mm -hmm. kind of how they relate with their family and how that's part of a holistic approach to helping them is understanding that. Um, I'm kind of wondering what you've learned about relationships from your time being a doctor so far, um, some key insights you've learned about people or just how you approach building relationships. Yes. So, you know, one thing that I've definitely realized is that every relationship, every family dynamic is just so complex and getting to know someone um, takes a lot of figuring out where they're at in their life, Um, kind of having to meet people where they're at. Um, And seeing that family dynamic is interesting in the sense that, you know, once I get to know someone, and realize what their problems are, what their stressors are, um, then getting to meet their mother or their children. And this light bulb comes on and I'm, you know, I just suddenly realize, okay, that's why you're like this. (laughs) And it could be something genetic that I see, or, you know, I see, um, you know, the way people had have related to each other, you know, a, a parent talking to a child or, you know, interestingly, you know, one of the things I find most fascinating is when I've been seeing two people for a long time, you know, maybe two or three years and not realizing because of different last names uh, or whatnot, that they weren't connected until like, oh, yeah, you see my daughter. Okay, who is that? And then I just have this aha moment, like, okay, now it all makes sense. (laughs) Part of the reason you are the way you are is because you grew up with this person or that person. Um, Another thing is, that with um, COVID and the decrease in psychiatric assistance in our area, um, I've had to learn a lot more about um, sort of being a therapist and doing some of that kind of management. So learning how to motivate people, um, how to get people to recognize their own problems and maybe come up with their own solutions has also been a big factor in getting to know people um, and making me a better listener, um, realizing that a lot of times the answer to a medical problem is right there in front of me. If I can hear appropriately what the patient is telling me, I might have the medical knowledge, but it has to be communicated over um, in a good way. And, And having that relationship, I think, you know, definitely having a good relationship with a patient allows me to better diagnose their problems because I can hear what the problem is and I can hear the unspoken uh, you know, things and what's between the lines. It seems that on the one side of the coin of being able to be in work in family medicine is being, um, being, having the chance to see all of this wide variety of patients and cases and whatnot. But, but maybe the other side is um, maybe sometimes you run into a number of challenges or a number of things that maybe you didn't anticipate or, um, you know, maybe just didn't want to have to to deal with on that day or something like that. How how is it that that you? What are some of the ways that you that you cope? You what are some of the methods you use to cope with things when when you're having an especially challenging day like that? Um, a lot of times, you know, fortunately, I have a private office that I can go into and take a moment and um, you know, close the door have a few minutes of silence and uh, I will pray. (laughs) Um, I pray for, you know, the wisdom to 
take care of patients um, in the best way possible. And I will pray for the patients. I have a list of patients every day. Um, and at the end of the day, I'll go through that list and pray, you know, a little bit for each person. Um, and the patients that are okay with talking about their faith, I will tell them that I do this and, and they, they like that. But you know, I think having that, um, that time to sit and reflect a little bit and sort of regroup, um, I think is what puts me back on track. Uh, there are other days when I don't have the time to do that. Um, you know, you're just, it's one disaster after another, and especially being short staffed with COVID. And, um, you know, lately there have definitely been times where I haven't been able to, and the coping mechanism has been put it in the back of my mind, work through it and cry on the way home. <laughs> um, so there's been definitely some of that too. Um, but it, it has to come out one way or another. Um, fortunately, I have a 10 minute drive home um, and can get a lot off my mind then. <laughs> I think it's really interesting how you talked earlier about the continuity of care, walking with somebody over a period of time, helping them. And I'm wondering, as you've done that, perhaps you've had some patients who you've walked alongside who have gone on or pa passed away. And, um, and as you talked about just now, sometimes you drive home and you have sorrow, uh, it's been a hard day, or you wanted to help more. Um, how do you process sometimes when you walk along someone for a season or multiple seasons, and then they go out of your life or they pass away in that sense of, uh, you have to keep going as a doctor, you have more and more patients to see, but how do you process also the loss in the midst of that? Yeah, that's hard. Um, especially lately, I've lost a lot of people to COVID, um, which has been a new experience because a lot of those people weren't sick before it was, you know, when it makes sense to me, um, spiritually when someone has been sick or ill and they're declining and they're suffering. Um, and in those cases, when they pass on, it's, it's almost a relief to me. I don't like to see suffering. And another thing that I gleaned from my mom's culture was that, um, you know, death of someone who's lived a nice long life is something to be celebrated. It's a celebration because you're moving on to the next, um, you know, the, the next better life. And, and um, you got a parade when you died, you know, it wasn't a sad mopey, <laughs> but you know, in, in some of the, in some of these cases where someone was completely healthy um, and then they get, you know, an illness that in many cases could have been preventable and then they're gone. Um, it's a little bit harder to, to process. And um, I run, um, I, I run three miles a day and that helps me sort of get some of that energy kind of, you know, be with nature. I do it outside um, and sort of process those things. Um, and I pray about it and, um, think about, you know, God's will and, you know, what, you know, you know, there being a reason for things and, and, uh, you know, some, I don't have the answer for a lot of it, but, you know, a lot of it is trust and, and that faith that, um, you know, just, just trusting God. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that that's, that's helpful. I think, um, be, maybe people don't always realize, um, when they go to see their doctor and, Maybe if they've lost a family member and their doctor's been serving them, or if they themselves are struggling, maybe they don't always realize the emotional impact that the doctor would have too, as a caregiver for them after they leave. And I just, that was helpful to hear you share, um, open up about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. It, it, it impacts us a lot. And, um, 
you know, I'm always glad when someone does pass um, and, you know, maybe I haven't seen them for a while because they declined in health and maybe ended up in a, a nursing facility or something like that. And, you know, when a family member calls and lets us know that they've passed or, you know, gives us an opportunity to maybe go to the, to the funeral or to a viewing, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad for that. Um, it's harder when, I think the hardest thing is when someone doesn't show up for their appointment and I'm thinking, well, that's unusual. They always come to their appointment. So I'll look them up and there's an obituary, you know, that to me, that's the hardest because, you know, I, you know, then I feel like I wasn't there, you know, maybe I could have helped them through this time, but you know, things, things happen. It's just so fantastic. Um, thinking about the, um, the start of the episode and, and you talking about how the impact that your, your family and, um, your extended family had on you growing up. Um, and I think we can really see that the different ways that, that they, that that kind of situation impacted you in, and what you're saying today and probably as, as how you work as, as a physician and um, as a parent and as a spouse. Um, what, what do you think are some of the things that you're passing on to, um, to your kids right now? Um, you know, there was a time because, um, you know, being a physician and a mom, uh, you know, one of my regrets is that I'm not home as much as other moms. And fortunately, I have a husband who is a great stay at home dad. And um, the you know, does an excellent job with that. But you know, I worried in the earlier years, um, you know, they, my parents are up in Goshen, um, you know, my husband's mom lives down in Florida, that my kids did not have that sort of spiritual guidance that my guidance that my grandparents gave me. Um, and I prayed about it and I'm just like, you know, God, what am I going to do? Because I can't be available for my children, you know, the way my grandparents were. Um, and the next day, interestingly, we were at Barnes and Nobles. And I think this was when my first daughter was maybe four or five. Um, she walked in there and the first thing she does is, walk into the children's section and she picks up a children's Bible and she says, this is, this is the book I want. (laughs) And I almost burst into tears right there because it was like, God was listening and answered that prayer. And it was like, he was, you know, patting me and saying, you know, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think part of it too is, you know, like my grandparents were being, available for questions when they ask questions. And a lot of it is living by example. And I think example goes a long way. Um, Even if I can't talk to them all the time, um, when things happen, when sad things happen, when, when good things happen um, is, is living by example. And, you know, sometimes asking them questions or when my daughter brings to me an anxiety or a fear, um, one of the first things I'll ask her was, you know, have you prayed about this and hearing her, her thoughts on it and that, that she actually has been thinking about it in a big way. It just, it makes me feel better. And and I think even though I'm not home a lot, I'm able to, to do something um, in that way. It's so interesting to hear you uh, share about being a parent. And I wondered how the different parts of yourself connect, like 
your role as a mom informs perhaps how you interact with young children in your practice. I'm wondering, and, and your faith formation impacts how you do both of those and the interconnections. Have you seen that certain lessons you've learned from home life kind of bearing fruit in, in the workplace or vice versa? Oh yeah. It's, it's all connected. Um, you know, recently, you know, and, and this happens frequently, um, but I was at a church service and the topic of the sermon that day was anxiety. And the pastor said some great things about anxiety. And I'm like, I can use this in my practice. Um, so I went back to work and, you know, now I've incorporated some of those helpful things into the advice that I give to patients and, um, you know, vice versa, you know, I think everything shapes the way I do everything else. It's just all interconnected. Bernie, um, do you have any other questions that you would like to ask before we draw our time to a close or, or for that matter, Lena, is there anything else that you would like to share, um, before we would draw our podcast to a close that, that you have on your heart? Yeah, there, there is one thing. Um, you know, I, I just want to make it clear that, you know, I think a lot of people have this idea of what a doctor is, you know, back in the, you know, 40 years ago, um, you know, at least from what my mom was telling me, doctors were considered, you know, godlike because they did healing. They, you know, they were in charge of your health. When a doctor came in the room, all the nurses got up and gave them her chair, um, or his, you know, and thankfully it is not that way anymore. Um, but I, you know, I want to make it very clear that I see my job today as one of servitude, um, as a listener of one who serves people, not someone who is there to tell people what to do. Um, I mean, there is some of that, yeah, but, um, as one who listens and one who serves, um, and, and does God's work and, you know, God's given me the knowledge to do his, his healing work, you know, through me. Um, and I think it's, you know, that's one of the most important things to me to remember day to day is that, you know, I'm a servant, um, and I'm there for, you know, God's people. That's really helpful. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And, and Barney, I'm wondering, did you have any a final thought that you'd like to share before we close? No, it's, it's just been such a joy to um, have Lena with us here today. And, um, uh, you know, as, as much as we've been friends for so long, it's, it's just so, so great for me to hear these new things that I didn't know about as well. And, um, it's, it's just been such a fantastic time. <laughs> I feel the same way. Thank you so much, Lena. What a joy it is. And very, it's also very inspiring to hear what you're doing and how, like you said, everything is connected in your approach and your faith is bearing fruit in your family life and in your practice. And thank you for sharing your story with us. And we also want to thank all of our listeners and viewers who are with us today. We hope that you have learned something new, perhaps greater insight now on what it might be like for the doctor, physician, specialist sitting across from you as they're helping to serve you. Uh, maybe through Lena's experience, you have a, a small window into that. And uh, we also hope that you would be inspired by her story as well. And so we thank you. And then until next time, Bye.